Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 232. Today we'll continue the story of Ezra, where we see the people of Israel rebuilding the altar and starting to do reparations on the temple and hoping to do the rebuild of Jerusalem. But we'll notice in this story that even though it starts well, Uh, quickly there's lots of opposition to the building. And the question that we're going to ask ourselves is, how do you face this kind of opposition? What do you do? And the answer we receive as we read through the book of Ezra and also from our passages today, is we need to keep looking to the God who has given us a light from him, who has given us strength from him, who gives us the ability to trust him even when we face opposition. And so, We'll read about this in Ezra. We'll see a response in Psalm 92 and 1 John 1 and how to actually continue to trust God in the face of opposition. Beginning then in Ezra chapter 3. When the seventh month arrived and the Israelites were living in their towns, the people assembled in Jerusalem. Then Yeshua the son of Josadak and his priestly colleagues and Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel and his colleagues started to build the altar of God of Israel so they could offer burnt offerings on it as required by the law of Moses the man of God. They established the altar on its foundations, even though they were in terror of the local peoples, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening offerings. They observed the Feast of Shelters as required and offered the proper number of daily burnt offerings according to the requirement for each day. Afterward, they offered the continual burnt offerings, and those for the new moons and those for the holy assemblies of the Lord and all those that were being voluntarily offered to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. However, the Lord's temple was not at that time established. So they provided money for the masons and carpenters and food, beverages, and olive oil for the people of Zidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar timber from Lebanon to the seaports at Joppa in accord with the edict of King Cyrus of Persia. In the second year after they had come to to the temple of God in Jerusalem in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Josadak, initiated the work, along with the rest of their associates, the priests and the Levites, and all those who were coming to Jerusalem from the exile. They appointed the Levites, who were at least 20 years old, to take charge of the work of the Lord's temple. So Yeshua appointed both his sons and his relatives, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Yehudah, to take charge of the workers of the temple of God, along with the sons of Hanadad, their sons, and their relatives, the Levites. When the builders established the Lord's temple, the priests ceremonially attired, and with their clarions, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with their symbols, stood to praise the Lord according to the instructions left by King David of Israel. With antiphonal response, they sang, praising and glorifying God, saying, For he is good, his loyal love toward Israel is forever. All the people gave a loud shout as they praised the Lord when the temple of the Lord was established. Many of the priests, the Levites, and the leaders, older people who had seen with their own eyes the former temple while it was still established, were weeping loudly. And many others raised their voice in a joyous shout. People were unable to tell the difference between the sound of joyous shouting and the sound of people's weeping. 
for the people were shouting so loudly that the sound was heard a long way off. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin learned that the former exiles were building a temple for the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the leaders and said to them, Let us help you build, for like you we seek your God, and we have been sacrificing to him from the time of King Ahasuerus of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Yeshua, and the rest of the leaders of Israel said to them, we have no, You have no right to help us build the temple of our God. We will build it by ourselves for the Lord God of Israel, just as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. When the local people began to, then the local people began to discourage the people of Judah and to dishearten them from building. They were hiring advisors to oppose them so as to frustrate their plans throughout the time of Cyrus, king of Persia, until the reign of King Darius of Persia. At the beginning of the reign of Ahasuerus, they filed an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. And during the reign of Artaxerxes, Bishlam, Merethodath, and Tabiel and the rest of their colleagues wrote to King Artaxerxes of Persia. This letter was first written in Aramaic, but then translated. Rehum, the commander of Shimshai, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter concerning Jerusalem to King Artaxerxes as follows. From Rehum, the commander, Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their colleagues, the judges, the rulers, the officials, the secretaries, the Arachites, and the, Babylon the Babylonians, the people of Susa, that is the Elamites, and the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Ahushabaratnam deported and settled in the cities of Samaria and other places in Trans-Euphrates. This is a copy of the letter they sent to him. To King Artaxerxes, from your servants in Trans-Euphrates. Now let the king be aware that the Jews who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and odious city. They are completing its walls and repairing its foundations. Let the king also be aware that if this city is built and its walls completed, no more tax, custom, or toll will be paid, and the royal treasury will suffer loss. In light of the fact that we are loyal to the king, and since it does not seem appropriate to us that the king should sustain damage, we are sending the king this information, so that he might initiate a search of the records of his predecessors and discover in those records that this city is, a rebel is rebellious and injurious to both kings and provinces, producing internal revolts from long ago. It is for this reason that this city was destroyed. We therefore are informing the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, you will not retain control of this portion of Trans-Euphrates. The king sent the following response. To Rehum the commander, Shimshai the scribe, and the rest of their colleagues who live in Samaria and other parts of the Trans-Euphrates. Greetings. The letter you sent to us has been translated and read in my presence. So I gave orders, and it was determined that this city from long ago has been engaging in insurrection against kings. It has continually engaged in rebellion and revolt. Powerful kings have been over Jerusalem who ruled throughout the entire Trans-Euphrates and who were the beneficiaries of tribute, custom, and toll. Now give orders that these men cease their work and that this city not be rebuilt until such a time as I so instruct. Exercise appropriate caution so that there is no negligence in this matter. Why should danger increase to the point that the king sustains damage? Then, as soon as the copy of the letter from King Artaxerxes was read in the presence of Rehum, Shimshai the scribe, and their colleagues, they proceeded promptly to the Jews in Jerusalem and stopped them with threat of armed force. So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem came to a halt. It remained halted until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. 
You can only imagine how devastating that would have been for the people of Israel who had returned from exile, who were rebuilding the temple, who were looking to rebuild Jerusalem, and wondering, how do we face this kind of opposition? What are we going to do? And we'll learn more about what happens next when we read in next episode, or actually a few episodes from now, about what happens. But in the meantime, we're actually going to read from Psalm 92, which shows how to praise God even when we face these difficult things, realizing that God ultimately will bring justice on those who do evil and that he is someone we can count on. Psalm 92. A psalm. A song for the Sabbath day. It is fitting to thank the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. It is fitting to proclaim your loyal love in the morning and your faithfulness during the night to the accompaniment of a ten-stringed instrument and a lyre, to the accompaniment of a meditative tone of the harp. For you, O Lord, have made me happy by your work. I will sing for joy because of what you have done. How great are your works, O Lord! Your plans are very intricate. The spiritually insensitive do not recognize this. The fool does not understand this. When the wicked spread up like grass and all the evildoers glisten, it is so that they may be annihilated. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Indeed, look at your enemies, O Lord. Indeed, look at how your enemies perish. All the evildoers are scattered. You exalt my horn like that of a wild ox. I am covered with fresh oil. I gloat in triumph over those who try to ambush me. I hear the defeated cries of the evil foes who attack me. The godly grow like a palm tree. They grow like they grow high like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the Lord's house, they grow in the courts of our God. They bear fruit even when they are old. They are filled with vitality and have many leaves. So they proclaim that the Lord, my protector, is just and never unfair. What a wonderful psalm saying we can count on God and trust him through the difficult, painful times because he is a God who will bring justice on those who are enemies and he will restore completely. And we see this kind of a God also described in the letter the, the Apostle John wrote, 1 John, and we'll read chapter 1 of that, which describes God as a God of light, a God who brings light into the darkness, and a God who forgives in ways that show us just how amazing he truly is and what kind of God we can count on when we face opposition. John, 1 John chapter 1. This is what we proclaim to you, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life, and the life was revealed, and we have seen and testified and announced to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we announce to you too, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Thus we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now this is the gospel message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet keep on walking in the darkness, we are lying and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, has, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we do not bear the guilt of sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar 
and his word is not in us. And so I think what John is trying to get through here is that God is the God of light. He brings light into the darkness by forgiving us our evil, sinful deeds that have done, in a sense, in the dark and cover us with the guilt of sin. And yet the way to go from that to light, the way to face the opposition of the guilt and shame in our lives is to confess, is to admit our sin, to ask for forgiveness, and to realize that through that confession and asking, we are trusting in Jesus as the one who has paid in our place, who cleanses us from all unrighteousness, so that we can stand before God no longer filled with fear, but gracious, loved, and amazed by his incredible mercy to us. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there